We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Cash Considerations Podcast, Chicago Bulls Podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm joined by Jason Pat. Jason, breaking news from Bulls land. The Bulls just put up 124 points, the most they've scored in a regulation home game since February 21st, 2016 against the Lakers. It's a pretty big deal, right, Jace? Totally. I mean, the offense is really killing it tonight. Antonio Blakeney uh, at 21 points. Zach Levine over 20 points again. I mean, they were they're really great. Oh, what's that? They gave up 149, and they lost by 25. And Clay Thompson hit a record th- NBA record 14 three three pointers. So play I my mean, music. What can you say about that? Only the Bulls. Only the Bulls. Only the Clay's at the court on fire tonight. Yes, he did. So I have to admit, we got to start this off. I didn't see this game because I play basketball every Monday night. But I'm I, mad I didn't see it because this sounds insane. It, what happened, Jason? It, it was. Please tell me honest, what happened. Yeah, it was honestly a lot of fun. I tweeted like towards the end of the first half that it was kind of like just like a religious experience watching this thing because the Warriors came out and. Like I said, I mentioned Clay Thompson had like 50, I believe it was 52 points in like three quarters uh, in 27 minutes. He took 24 threes, made an NBA record 14. And this is after Clay had been infamously in a huge slump. People are talking about his, his new beard and that blame the beard and all that kind of stuff. And they've been feeding him and they came out and were feeding him early. He had six threes in the first quarter, 22 points. You could just tell right away that it was going to be a clay game, that the Bulls are about to get their ass kicked, which after the game was over, that's basically what Fred Hoberg said. He's like, he answered a question. He's like, well, Sam, I'm assuming that meant Sam Smith. We even just got our ass kicked tonight or something, something of that nature. And, yeah, just from the very beginning, the Warriors were getting easy shots all over the place. Clay was on fire. Steph was on fire. Steph had 23 in the first half. They combined for, like, Oh, I think I think Clay had 36 in the first half. Steph had 23. Warriors had 92 points in the first half. That is the second most points ever in a first half in NBA history. 92 points. They only had, they only ended up with 149 because their scrubs couldn't do anything in the fourth quarter. Uh, they hit 24 threes total. That was one shy of the prior NBA record. 
They hit zero threes in the fourth quarter. So they had 24 threes through three quarters, but they weren't able to break the record because, like I said, their scrubs kind of kind of stunk it up. But it was it was just a wild, wild shooting display. And that, Steph and Clay were great. We also saw Alfonso McKinney, Chicago product, come off the bench, scored 19 points and hit four threes. Jonas Drepko like a 30-footer, one-legged at the end of the shot clock. It was just that kind of night. The Warriors just completely outclassed a Bulls team that is – Hurting. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I, I actually thought before the game that maybe the Bulls would keep it kind of close and then lose by ten to fifteen. The Warriors were on the end of a road trip, uh, third, third, end of a three-game road trip. It's so back to back, but it was, uh, it was just a beatdown right from the start. Just an absolute shellacking. One of the best offensive performances I've ever seen in a half with, by the Warriors. It was a lot of fun to watch. So you should be sorry that you missed it because as shitty as the Bulls' defense were, it was just kind of awesome to watch the Warriors just kind of clown them and toy with them. For three quarters. This was the Warriors' third game in four nights. They played yep. last night, as you said. Clay entered this game shooting 13% from three-point range. He, made, he had made five threes before this game in whatever, uh, seven games. He hit it like five, three, five or six, three, something like that. And he hit six in the first quarter and then wound up with 14. And in the third quarter, with St- Steph Curry had the previous record with 13 three-pointers. The third quarter... The entire third quarter was basically the Warriors and Steph almost specifically trying to get Clay the record. They were just every possession down. Clay, they were hunting threes. So Steph was trying to set him up, or Steph was trying to set or trying to set a screen to get Clay open. Like it was that's one of the great things about Steph. Is like he's such an unselfish player and why he makes them just so unbeatable. Obviously he's the greatest shooter of all time, but such an unselfish player, always willing to move aside for other players like Clay and like KD to do their thing. And then obviously he does his own thing as well. But like the whole third quarter, Warriors are running plays for Clay, pushing the ball, getting Clay wide open three pointers after wide open three pointers. And the Bulls defense could do nothing to stop it. They were getting, they were just had no answer. Guys were wide open. Neil and Stacey were, were mad about it, and they should be because it was, a, it was quite frankly embarrassing. As good as the Warriors were, like the Bulls were just nowhere near these guys on all these shots, just wide open shots for wide open shots. At one point, at one point, Clay got like smacked in the face, or I think he hit Damian Jones. I think they collided. Clay was bleeding out of his off of his forehead, still getting wide open, hitting hitting threes. Then he had to put a headband on to cover the blood. Missed a couple three. He missed like three threes in a row at one point, all wide open. And then he finally hit. I think it was. I think he needed one or two more, and he finally got the record. But it was it was wild. It was both an incredible offensive showing by the Warriors, an embarrassing, pathetic showing by the Bulls. Which like I don't want to be too like upset at the Bulls when they're that outmanned, but just like the effort just was absolutely awful. And it's, that's been part of a theme. Like we've seen some games where they've been competitive. They've won a couple games. We'll talk about that a little later, but they've had these games already where they, they gave up 135 to the Hornets the other night, 149 a night. They dropped to like 28th or 29th in defensive rating. Just, their defense is real bad. And when you play a team like the Warriors who can exploit that with ball movement and passing and shooting, like it's real ugly. <laughs> I remember when the Bulls played the Warriors last year, they gave up 143. That was nothing compared to tonight. The Warriors might have only scored a few more points with the 149. This just seems like a game where if they wanted to, do you think the Warriors could have dropped two hundo? I don't know. Like I don't know if they would have gotten to two hundred because like they scored ninety-two and basically was like a perfect first half, but I easily could have gotten I think the record in regulation is something like 170 some points. If they actually would have played, like, obviously they weren't going to play their stars in the fourth quarter. If they actually tried, 
I think they might have been able to break the NBA record for points in a regulation game. Like I said, 200 is really tough. It's only 173, and it's hilarious because I saw someone on Twitter, uh, Dieter Kirkenbach, say this three days ago. He tweeted out, the NBA record for most points scored in a regulation game is 173. Will the Warriors beat that when they play the Bulls in Chicago on Monday? I mean, that's just clairvoyant right there when they're dropping the 90-point half to start things off. 92 points and a half is like impossible to fathom. I know there's been there's some been some big scoring around the league this year with guys with teams jacking threes, pushing past like this, but like 92 points and a half is absolutely fucking wild. And it was it was incredible to see. Like I, I'm not even mad. Like I said, the Bulls were awful tonight. They absolutely embarrassed. But I wasn't even mad. It was just that fun to watch the Warriors toy with them and beat the beat the shit out of them. It was just kind of fun. The last thing I saw before I uh, left to play ball myself was a tweet from C Red Fred who said, "With a victory tonight, the Bulls will move into a tie for the eighth seed in a possible playoff showdown with the Bucks and Raptors. Learned men and women will talk for decades about this evening if we can somehow overcome the absence of four of our top seven players to achieve greatness." That was C Red Fred at the onset of Bulls Warriors. I don't think it worked out very well. Did not work out well. And even I got clowned a bit because I like I said earlier, I, I thought maybe the Bulls would be able to keep it close, keep it semi competitive for like a half, and then the Warriors would do one of their patented third quarters and basically put it out of reach then. But this game was over after one quarter and that and that was that. And then from there it was just basically a clown show and a Warriors running running a practice and it was a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> It's kind of cute that Hoiberg even, like, pretended to get mad. Hoiberg's been salty all year, I want to say. I kind of love salty Fred Hoiberg. I feel like he knows that he's probably not in this for the long haul. Uh, It is hard to fire him when you think about all the injuries the Bulls had this season. Like, uh, we talked about this on a previous episode of the podcast, that Mm -hmm. I didn't expect Hoiberg to make it through the season. I thought he'd get fired before the All-Star break, just the sense I get following the team uh, and you know, the way Fred has talked this year is decidedly different. I think than his first three seasons in control with that being said, I mean, when they're down, done marketing Valentine, I mean, it's just injury after injury. It's tough to blame this on Hoiberg. I do think it's funny that now he's trying to be the tough guy coach after being such like a player friendly coach his first few years. Uh, but he knows there wasn't he's shit. Finally, he's finally listening to Jimmy Butler's advice and coaching harder, coaching harder, a couple years too late. Oh, uh, just what a ridiculous game, though. Do you, do you have anything else to say yeah, on this? It's like, like, just on the point of Fred, like, so we did kind of talk about this before, but, like, I think I think he'll be safe for a bit unless, like, they consistently lose games like this, and especially at home. Like, they got a really tough week coming up. They got the Nuggets next on Wednesday. The Nuggets are very good. Uh, they play, I think, the Rockets after that. We'll see if James Harden is back. I think they have a... Another game against the Pacers coming up, and then they have a couple of these games, and the schedule gets really tough again. So, like, if they, they, I think if they stay competitive, even if they're losing a lot, which I mean, you can't expect really anything else when you're losing or when you're missing that many guys. But if they, if they're getting their ass beat on the regular, that's when I think there might be some questions about Fred maybe not making it past like Christmas, like I said, which, which we kind of talked about before. So I guess we'll see. Like, if they, if they have more games like this where they're giving up like eighty point halves and losing by 20. Like I said, they lost by 30 in Charlotte the other night, gave up 135. So like they, they, I don't know how many more losses like that Fred, Fred can afford, but I think they will probably be pretty lenient because of these injuries. But like I said, with this tough schedule coming up, they're gonna have to compete a little more. In Hoiberg knew this was coming too. My friend Madeline Kenny from the Sun-Times tweeted this pregame 
Asked how nice it is to have four consecutive home games, Bulls coach Fred Hoiberg said, it's not nice at all. We play Golden State, Denver, Indiana, and Houston. I don't like it. (laughs) It's just a noticeable difference from the way Hoiberg's speaking to the media this year than he has the last few years. Uh, My heart goes out to him a little bit because there is not a coach in the world, there's not a coach in the history of basketball that could salvage this damn mess right now, especially not against a team like the Warriors who are just locked in at a historic rate. Uh, tonight, silly, straight up yep. silly game. It looks like. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you you could blame them for like the defense and then the not showing heart, which I think some people probably will, which is kind of fair. But yeah, it's overall when you're missing, like I said, four of your top like whatever eight guys, maybe it's it's tough. You would like to see a little more effort there. They have shown some better efforts in previous games. Is that they actually they do have two wins there. They're not like Owens. They're not like the Cavs. The Cavs have already fired their coach because they're Owens six and even worse than the Bulls. So they, the Bulls haven't been quite that bad because they've actually be able to get on, get uh, get in the W column. But yeah, just some of these games and especially tonight, just absolutely, absolutely terrible. But yeah, I was gonna say there's five teams right now with less wins than the Bulls. The Bulls sitting at two and five. And there's also a few other teams with two wins. So uh, the Bulls, for you know, as hopeless and as bad as they are. Uh, you kind of need to be worse, Bulls. And I wonder how that's going to play out as the season continues, when marketing comes back, uh, you know, when, when they get everyone healthy. It's like you would expect them to be competitive and win some games, especially against some of these bottom feeder teams. Yeah. Some of these other teams are, I mean, like I said, we mentioned the Cavs. They're obviously awful. The Knicks are really bad. The Nets are competitive, but they're probably end up losing a lot as well. The Hawks. We the Bulls beat the other night. We'll talk about that game a little bit. Bulls won on the road, the second of a back-to-back, the old Sega Baba, and won by 12 because the Hawks are absolutely awful. The Hawks shot like 30, low 30% against the Bulls' defense, which you should be like relegated if you do that. And like the Suns are terrible. There's a couple teams that are probably pretty good that are have bad records right now, like the Thunder and Rockets are both 1-4. and four. The Lakers are dropped to 2-5, and five, which is hilarious. Uh, and then the Wizards are actually probably the funniest of the bunch at one and five, just a complete shit show. You would think that they'll get a, be a little better at some yeah. point, but yeah, I mean, like, the Wizards at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, this Once is the Wizards, always the Wizards. Yeah, this is classic Wizards. Hashtag so Wizards there, Chuck. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, like I said, with these guys missing all this time and with the schedule that's coming up, you would think the Bulls will lose a lot of games and fall below, fall pretty low in the standing standings and out of the race. But yeah, later in the year, if if these guys come back and play healthy, like I said, I think they'll hopefully at least be a little interesting and not just completely, completely yeah. in an ugly ass tank. draft pick. So it's like it's a lose-lose scenario right now. They're going to start themselves off in a huge hole. Well, kind of like last year. What's up? Kind of like last year when they well, started. Yeah, last year they were 3-20 and 20 until Miritich comes back. Uh, you know, you, you just hope it's not the same scenario because the best thing for the long-term health of the franchise would be – you know, a straight tank, being able to get a top four draft pick. Obviously, you want to see the young guys develop. Like, we're not technically even, like, rooting for them to lose. We want to see Lowry Markinen out there. We want to see him build off his strong rookie season. Yeah. Uh, we want to see if, you know, Chris Dunn, is he going to be a long-term fit for this team, this contract expiring after this year? There's a lot we still need to see from the Bulls, but the fact of the matter is that here's how they won their two games this year. In the first one, campaign hit 7-3. Let's talk – let's – Let's get off this Warriors game. Let's talk about the campaign game. <laughs> I would love to talk about the campaign game. I'm taking this personally because right before this game, 
I said Cameron Payne was maybe the worst NBA player I've ever seen. I challenged our listeners to tweet at us who is the worst NBA player, and Cam Payne responds by draining seven threes. They were all in the second half. All second half, I think they were. He hit six in a row one point. So like he went, he went like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry on him, six in a row, and then he hit one last one, a huge one in the fourth quarter after. He like missed a floater in the lane, got his own rebound, and then just pulled up from three. It was like a wild confidence. So that was a shot that Steph Curry would take, and he made it. He was just unconscious. I mean, good for good for fucking campaign for for shutting some of the doubters. And even like to the, to come back to the tonight's game, campaign actually had one of the better had a decent stat line tonight's game. And obviously, the Bulls got their ass beat, but he had like fifteen points, five of nine shooting. Uh, he had he's had a couple really besides the the campaign game where he had seven threes he's had a couple other nice scoring games so at least he's showing that he can be semi competent he's obviously not really much of a defender and streaky streaky shooter but at least he's not like you said worst NBA player ever not even worst player in the league now like he's showing that he could at least possibly be like a competent backup point guard so shouts to campaign for. Uh, shutting us up and making us look like d- the dumb idiots that we are. Yeah, don't throw yourself into this, Jason. This is about me. This is about <laughs> me being a dumb idiot. I mean, I called I called campaign like the worst player in the year last or in the league like last year, two years ago. Like, when the Bulls first got him, I was pretty adamant that he was like worst player in the league. Bad. I was not as far as you in terms of like worst player ever, but like I've been on the very harsh ripping on campaign thing because he has been absolutely terrible, and now he's. Last year he was he showed some flashes and this year he's doing the same thing. So like at least uh, at least he's doing a little something and not complete completely useless. Uh, do you ta- have any like actual takeaways from these two wins they got earlier this you know earlier in the last week? Uh, uh, like I said the, both of them. Besides, I was gonna say besides Payne and the Hornets game, like Zach Levine was awesome again. Like he's consistently been just really good offensively. Took over down the stretch. I know there was I think this was right after that Dallas game where he was complaining about play calls and stuff. And then like in the Hornets game, he was basically doing everything like campaign at the one, three, but the rest was basically Levine doing his thing offensively. And it worked. He had huge shots. He had the game winning free throws with 0.5 seconds left. He had the big defensive play to set up those free throws by knocking the ball off Kemba Walker's uh, uh, hand on the inbound play. So, I mean, it was basically a, a Zach Levine takeover. And then with plus the campaign game, winning the Hornets game, the Hornets were kind of a mess that game. They shot really poorly. Kemba Walker shot poorly. I think they shot like 28% for three. So that was, I wouldn't want to say a fluky win because I think the Bulls did outplay them soundly for most of the game. But they And they did pull it out in the end where the Hornets came back from an 11-point deficit and ended up going up by five at one point. I just figured that, oh, this is the game. Bulls are going to fall apart, kind of like they did in Dallas. But Levine stepped up, Payne stepped up, and they ended up winning. So good for them for grabbing that win. I thought they deserved that game. They played a little harder down the stretch. I did not watch the Hawks game at all. I was out doing other stuff because I was out doing other stuff and I had no interest in Bulls, Hawks, October basketball. Most I watched that game. What's that? I watched that game. I, I wasn't paying total attention to it. I haven't rewatched it. Uh, most of these games I've been rewatching and, you know, making clips and notes and all that. But uh, I just watched the Hawks game game live i will say i thought jabari looked pretty good that game that was the best he's looked on the bulls his final line 18 points eight rebounds three assists a steal two blocks seven to 16 shooting goes three to six from three point range i mean that's what you want from jabari is you know not over dribbling the ball not constantly settling for long twos 
he finally got in a rhythm from three-point range. That was actually a great Ryan Archie Diacono game, too. Yeah, that's, that's, if, yeah, if we're looking for thing takeaways, like he's been an NBA player at least. Talk yeah. about talk about more of that because I didn't watch it. I just saw the stat line though. He had like a career high in points. Yeah, so he had 13 points, uh, five of ten from the field, three of six from deep, seven assists. He had a quote after the game. I don't have it in front of me right now. That was basically like, you know, I know I haven't established myself in this league. Uh, so, you know, people might not respect me as a shooter, but I know I can shoot. So when I'm open, I'm going to let it go. That's the right attitude to have. Uh, if you notice in that game as well, Trey Young, only 13 points on 3 of 12 shooting from the field, didn't make it three. Obviously, the Hawks were just ice cold that entire game. But I thought Archie Diakono played a pretty solid two-way game. Now, like, is he a keeper or anything like that? I don't really think so. No, but He's eminently replaceable. It's eminently one, replaceable. I, I didn't even think he was an NBA player. Uh Last year, I thought it was kind of a joke. Just like this gritty, you could make the jokes about the gritty little white point guard who tries hard, and like that's he's basically just an end of bench guy. But he's like he's been all right. Like I said, he's had a few really nice games. Didn't do anything against the Warriors tonight, but I mean, you're not going to expect the dude to come out and kill it against the Warriors. So, like he's at least proving that he can have a spot at the end of a bench and give you decent minutes and and play really hard. Yeah, and, you know, when we're searching for positives, the fact that we have to go all the way down to Ryan Archie Diacono, that's that's pretty trash. But, uh, you know, this is the season, and uh, it's not going to change. I mean, it, it will get more interesting, obviously, when the guys get healthy, but uh, even on nights when the opponent isn't hitting 24 threes and they're not scoring 92 points in the first half, this is going to be a long damn bowl season, Jason. I don't know why we signed up for this. <laughs> I know. Hold on. Let's, if we want to talk about other uh, maybe more obscure bench players, we got big Cristiano Felicio back in the rotation Ooh, now. good this year. Yeah, he's, uh, he's looked all right. He's, I mean, Rolo has basically been uh, – he looks like a corpse out there. And, and Chris has at least been playing hard. He's uh, – after last year, after he, got, he got his contract – last summer and then was one of the worst players in the league last year. I, I was looking this up was for another article I was writing for Forbes. He His like net rating was encore net rating in like almost a thousand minutes. was like minus 17 or like 18 points per 100 possessions, which was the worst in the league among like rotation players. And he's come out now. He's playing hard, showing some energy. He rim runs. He rebounds. He's, I mean, he's still not super athletic. He's kind of slow, awkward and all that kind of stuff. But he's always playing hard. He's playing better than Lopez. Lopez is like Robin Lopez's best like attribute to this point are like doing fun stuff on social media and wearing like funny t-shirts. Yeah, that's pretty cool though. Yeah, that Rolo's an awesome dude. Great guy to have around, but he really just shouldn't be playing at this point. They should probably try to look What better. happened? He just totally fell off. I mean, he was a pretty good player even coming into this year. Yeah, I I don't know if it's, it's like, just like the lesser that's a guy minutes. where like or just the league, the with the the pace and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's exactly. and the, I know he's been he's been getting into foul trouble. With some of the the new emphasis, uh, the rules emphasis with like some of the off ball, the freedom of movement, what, or whatever they call it. He's picked up some ticky tack fouls doing that kind of stuff. And he just it just looks slow. And I mean he's he's not that old. I think he's what thirty thirty one. But just with the way the league is going, this his type of player, like is just kind of being phased out. Just a big lumbering. The lumbering big man who can't really stretch the floor that much, just and he just just looks slow out there. So I mean, I'd I'd rather have the young guys, have Felicio, have Wendell Carter Jr. playing more minutes, and it's just kind of the way it is at this point. Yeah, I mean, you this is a just a league wide trend, and I'm going to be fascinated to see if it's sustainable. That 
you know, these teams are dropping 140s regularly. We've seen it, you know, throughout the early start of the year. But Rolo was a guy, even, you know, coming into this year, before we knew this offensive explosion would happen, he was someone who couldn't afford to lose even half a step, right? And he's getting to the age now, I think, what is he, like 30 years old, where, you know, the athleticism might start to decline a little bit, and his athleticism was always hanging on by a thread. He is 30, so... And uh, now that he's lost that half a step or whatever it is, I mean, they might as well be putting Felicio out there. Yeah. I don't have, you know, the updated stats in front of me after the Warriors game, but Felicio was leading the team in plus minus for a was, while. He was, he, was, Hawks game. He, was, he was only minus five today, so that's not too bad. I think it might be Blakeney now. Was Blakeney, came, he, Blakeney was a plus 10 tonight. He was stat padding like crazy. It was, it was, Blakeney was like doing his, doing his best to try to do the backdoor cover. But yeah, Felicio before tonight was like a plus. I think I looked at it, it was like plus 12 or 13 per 100 possessions. It obviously came down a bit tonight. But yeah, he's been pretty effective. So if he's going to do that, if he's going to be competent big man, I'd rather give the minutes to the, your young big man who's under contract for two more years after this one at $8 million a year. So hopefully hopefully that was that it's looked like that contract has been a, was a complete disaster last year. If he can at least be, be competent, that, that makes the contract look a little better. Yeah, I think so. If you look at the Hawks game when they won, Felicio played 26 minutes and was like plus, plus 20. 20. Team yeah. high. Yeah. Uh, Levine was only plus five in that game. Uh, Wendell Carter was minus eight. They did all of. They went on all their runs with Felicio in the game plus 20. It's like the other thing about Felicio is at least he has a role in the NBA, which is it's just like a rim runner, right? Yeah. Someone who's going to set a screen, dive to the basket. He's still pretty light on his feet. He's still pretty explosive what is he like 26 now 25 or 26 26 26 Ooh, felicio and i have the same birthday july 7th 1992 for felicio i was not born in 1992 he's a little bit younger than me but uh that's exciting so yeah they might as well just go with felicio at this point him and wendell and it was kind of going actually coming back to the warriors game for a second wendell wound up with 18 points seven rebounds four assists and i he missed both his three pointers but he did actually take instead of hesitating i know i feel like that's been a problem a bit to start the year where he's passing open passing up open three pointers he said he missed both of them today but he at least took them which i think is a good sign he had a few other decent de- as bad as the bulls defense was he had a he had one play where he uh stuck with curry in on a switch in isolation and stay stuck with him and i can't remember what curry did but he definitely did not score uh, so he had a few other nice baskets around the rim because he's kind of struggled offensively, which is not a surprise for a young big man. And a lot of his points came when the game was out of reach, but still to get up some rack up some nice assists or a nice stats, get a little confidence, as Stacey likes to say. That was nice to see. And he did also uh poster Jordan Bell, the uh basically which is the, the name of our podcast, Cash Considerations, the Jordan Bell thing. So he did he did did do that. So that was like one of the few highlights from the game with some more tonight. Oh yeah, he posted Jordan Bell. Damn, I gotta see that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like an incredible poster, but he dunked on him, and I believe he was fouled, so it was a it was a nice dunk. I was a little disappointed looking at the box score that Jordan Bell only had three points in eighteen minutes when they started him just as a total fuck you move. Bulls last year, that was amazing. He comes out of the starting lineup introductions doing the cash considerations sign, and then asks after the game, "How's cash considerations doing?" <laughs> So, unfortunately, the Jordan Bell trolling has been uh, toned down a little bit this year, but I'm still hopeful, personally, that he can bring it back at some point. He, he did have three blocks, and I think he had a really nice block of Levine at one point. He, he was a minus 15. That's The Warriors, like the fourth quarter, it was their whole bench unit, and it was 
really bad. Was that, and that was when Blakeney and Parker and Jabari Parker were chucking and getting buckets. And also Shaq Harrison also getting buckets in the fourth quarter. He got he had 13 points, five of eight shooting in 18 minutes. A lot of that coming in the fourth when the Bulls were just lighting it up and the Warriors scrubs were stinking it up. But but yeah. Yeah, so the Bulls' upcoming schedule here, guess what? It's not going to get any no. as Hoiberg alluded to earlier. They've got Denver on Wednesday on Halloween. I'm going to go to that. Dressed up is the scariest costume I could possibly think of, a Chicago Bulls fan. <laughs> then on Friday, November 2nd, they got Indiana at home, uh, Houston at home, and then next Monday, they start a little just two-game mini-road trip at New York against the Knicks and then at the Pelicans. That'll be a fun one with uh, Miritich you know, killing it this year with Etwan around. So, uh, you know, you just look at this schedule and it's just not going to get any easier. I mean, so they beat the Knicks maybe, like that could be a win. But yeah. this thing is, if they beat Denver, Indiana, or Houston, I mean, that would be a shock. Yeah, Denver moved to 5-1. and one. They've been playing really good, playing solid defense. Nikola Jokic, obviously one of the best big men in the league. I can't wait to watch him live. I haven't seen him live before. Stud, uh Former legendary, former Bull Gary Harris has become an excellent player. Uh, Bulls legend Gary Harris. Bulls will never live that down as long as as long as we live that trade of Gary Harris and Yusuf, Nur- Yusuf Nurkic for Doug McDermott. One of the the downfalls of I guess you could call it the Jimmy Butler era, the Tibbs era, whatever you want to call it. But that trade was a disaster. Gary Harris is an awesome player now. J- Jamal Murray is a lot of fun. Paul Millsap's been solid for so long. Yeah, so the Nuggets look like one of the up-and-coming up and coming teams in the West. Uh, after that, like you mentioned, the Pacers are really good. They lost tonight to Portland. They're off to an okay start, 4-3, and three, but Victor Oladipo's great. Um, they just have a really solid team. Uh, the Rockets one will be, I guess, possibly interesting, depending on if James Harden plays. The Rockets have been kind of a hot mess so far. Which I guess the fact that they they brought in Mello and Michael Carter Williams, what were they asking for? I said Michael Carter Williams. I think I've mentioned this before. Probably my least favorite bull of all time, and Mello is completely washed. And their defense has taken a huge step back, not surprisingly. And Harden has been dealing with a hamstring injury. I know they said he probably will be out through Friday, so then maybe he comes back for Saturday's game against the Bulls. You would think even if they don't have Harden, they have Chris Paul, Eric Gordon. Uh, Clint Compella, you'd think they would still be able to come in and beat the Bulls, but I guess you never know the way they've been playing. It hasn't been very good. But yeah, it de- either way, it definitely would be a surprise for the Bulls to win any of these upcoming three games. But hopefully, since they're all at home, if they're not going to win, and like I said, it would probably be better for them to lose these games anyways, given for draft position. But I would just like to at least see them be be competitive for this. Just I want to see effort, play close games, see some development from Levine and some of these other guys, and then if they end up losing... Close games, totally fine with that. Uh, on a personal level, a week from Tuesday, I'm going to Indianapolis for the Champions Classic. Going to watch Duke versus Kentucky there, and then Kansas versus Michigan State. So that's going to be uh, there you go. some scouting. Yeah, hell yeah. I go into that every year. It's always awesome. Uh, and this year is going to be ridiculous to see that Duke team live in person. So hopefully I'll be able to come back with full reports on Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, Zion Williams, and all those guys. Uh, Kansas has got a good prospect to Quentin Grimes who could be you know an option for the Bulls if they're not in the top five if they're in sort of that five to ten range or whatever uh, and they miss out on all the stud wings Quentin Grimes could be a pretty damn good player too so uh, personally I'm excited for college hoops to start up that's you know that starts next week uh, you can keep it locked to SB Nation for all of our preview coverage we got a ton of stuff dropping in the next few days 
And yeah, I mean, you know, during this stretch of Bulls basketball where Portis is out, or Markkanen's out, everyone out, done, uh, it's never too early to talk about the tank. That's what it feels like to me right now, at least. Yeah, I mean, we, t- we talked about it a bit before on our, on our last pod, and then they, of course, go out and win a couple games. But yes, with, after a game like tonight and with the games coming up, definitely never too early to look, check out Look, think about those Duke dudes and all, the, and the other guys at the top, and think about losing games. It's always, it's so lovely. All right. Well, I mean, I have nothing else to say on this. Do you? Um, I guess less. I guess we could briefly talk about the Portis injury. Obviously, that happened last week in the game against the Hornets. We didn't really mention. We haven't really mentioned that much. It was basically the same injury as, as the Chris Dunn injury, yeah. uh, the other knee, and kind of that's awful for Portis. Got, got, he didn't get his extension this offseason, so now he's going to be out four to six weeks. It's a real bummer. I'm curious, are you a fan of Hoiberg going with Chandler Hutchison as the starting, I guess, power forward and then keeping Jabari off the bench? Do you think they're going to change that up at any point? Because Jabari has been playing at least a little better, at least finding a bit more of a groove. I know yeah. I know Fred likes him in that point forward role off, off the bench, and he has found a bit of a groove doing that. But I do wonder if, Hutchison just really hasn't done much of anything in the starting lineup. He's played some, de- played some decent defense at least at some points, but just in terms of like an offensive threat, he's a complete zero. I guess maybe they just keep him out there for the defense because they need some type of defensive presence, but he's not really a power forward. He's really skinny. He's obviously not – he's six, whatever, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, skinny, not that strong. So I'm curious to see if they do keep uh, the rookie in the starting lineup with Portis out. Yeah, uh, I would love to hear Hoiberg talk about Jabari unfiltered. Like, when he doesn't have a microphone in his face and he can just say whatever he wants because benching him in the fourth preseason game was just such an audacious move. And uh, to me, that was like Hoiberg just taking control of the team and just no longer really caring about, you know, how strong his relationship with his bosses because his bosses signed Jabari to play small forward, of course, to be the starting small forward for this team. So, uh Hoiberg making that move was was a big deal, and I think it speaks volumes of what he thinks about Parker as a player. With that being said, I mean, Parker has been filling it up a little bit lately, at least offensively. We know he has a much higher offensive ceiling than Hutchison does. I think at a certain point, the Bulls are going to have nothing to lose, and they might as well just put Parker in there. But then the question is, you know, when these guys get healthy, do you move Parker back to the bench? I think that's the reason why... Uh, he went with Hutchison because he doesn't want Jabari yeah. thinking he's going to be a starter. Long-term, Jabari is going to be uh, a bench guy for the, for this season. So that's the reality of the situation. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like I said, and the fact that he's gotten a bit comfortable in this role is probably a reason to also do it so he's just not getting jerked back and forth. He's still playing big minutes. Uh, well, let me see. Because he played, I think, 20-some minutes. Not that tonight matters. He had 26 minutes tonight, but... Against the Hawks, he played 34 minutes. Against the Hornets, he played 26, 31 in the Hornets. The Hornets win. So, like, he's still playing 27 minutes a game. So, it's not like the, whatever, the starting versus bench thing is even, like, really affecting his minutes, minutes that much. He's still playing plenty. So, you I mean, might as well just, like, just keep it unless you're just getting beat so bad to start games that that you just have to basically make a change at some point. Maybe he does it then. But, like, right now... Jabari's offense is decent enough. His defense is obviously going to be just it is it is what it is. But hopefully he just keeps hitting shots. And he had he had six assists tonight. He's he's been showing off some decent passing as well. So I mean he's he's been he's, I guess Jabari just kind of is what he is. He's gonna 
he's going to get buckets at times. There'll be other times where he's going to make you want to pull your hair out with shot, shot selection and awful defense. Obviously, I just don't know if he'll be anything much more than that, but he'll, he'll get his numbers, and, and I guess I guess that's basically, that's basically that. You know, his numbers on the season through the first six games actually don't look that bad. Averaging nope. 16 points in 27 minutes, shooting 46% from the floor, 43% on nearly four attempts per game from three-point range, 80% that's down, throws. Yeah, down a little bit now because he missed all three three-pointers today. But, yeah, coming into the game, it was solid. I mean, he's... He's just kind of been like that his whole career. I mean, even last year, like Bucks fans complained about him all year last year, and you look and then you look at his numbers. His base numbers are fine, like thirteen points, five rebounds, forty eight percent shooting, thirty eight percent three. They look fine. I think it's just the overall package with him just hasn't really translated to winning like impact basketball. So I'm not surprised that he's getting his numbers, and he's and he makes and he does some really nice things on the court with his offense, but just overall, just. In terms of like two-way play and just overall impact and winning, it's just against good teams, it's just not there. And we've kind of seen that this year. Like when when the games have like mattered against like quality competition, he's obviously not just has not been what you need. But n- none of these guys really are besides, besides Zach for the most part. Yeah, and you know we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about Zach Levine throughout the year on the rest of this podcast because that is really the one the one bright light we have going for us right now. But uh, I think that about wraps it up. Yep. Yep. Uh, for Jason, I'm Ricky. This has been the Cash Considerations Podcast, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Thanks for listening. Later. Uh- Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.